NATO flags have been raised in Helsinki as Finland officially joins NATO. I'm tempted to say this is maybe the one thing uh, we can thank Mr. Putin for, uh, because he uh, once again here has precipitated something he claims to want to uh, prevent. Plus, the U.S. announces plans to send more ammunition and equipment to Ukraine ahead of a spring offensive. The new weapons and funding come as Russia has continued to bombard Ukraine with long-range missiles. And later in the program, how U.S. manufacturers are teaming up with their counterparts in Ukraine as they look ahead to support efforts to rebuild. Today is Tuesday, April 4th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Lori London in Washington. Finland officially joined the NATO military alliance on Monday, dealing a major blow to Russian President Vladimir Putin with a historic realignment of Europe's post-Cold War security landscape. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg spoke at a ceremony in Brussels where it became official. NATO is a community united by our values, freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. We stand together, we protect and defend each other, all for one and one for all. President Ninister de Saule, I'm glad to be here together with you on this great day. Thank you for your outstanding leadership and your tireless work to make this day possible. I'm glad and I'm proud to be the Secretary General that welcomes Finland fully into the NATO family. Welcome to the Alliance. With the Nordic nation entering the world's biggest security alliance, NATO's land border with Russia has doubled. Speaking earlier in Turkey, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken pointed out that Finland's desire to join NATO is a direct result of Russian aggression. I'm tempted to say this is maybe the one thing uh, we can thank Mr. Putin for, uh, because he once again here has precipitated something he claims to want to uh, prevent by Russia's aggression, uh, causing many countries to believe that they have to do more uh, to look out for their own defense uh, and uh, to make sure that uh, they could deter possible Russian aggression going forward. And for its part, Finland made its first official act as a NATO member to ratify its share of the treaty to allow Sweden to join the alliance next. Here's Finnish President Sauli Ninisko. Our next goal is, of course, to get our good neighbor Sweden to the full membership as well. So uh, hopefully Sweden will be full member of NATO soon as well. Russia, meanwhile, said that it would be forced to take what it's calling retaliatory measures if NATO stations new equipment or troops in its newest member state. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky sent messages of congratulations to Finland. I spoke to Anna Chernikova in Kiev for more on President Zelensky's reaction to Finland officially becoming part of NATO. He said that amid Russian aggression, the alliance 
become the only effective guarantee of security in the region and that he expects uh, and hopes that Vilnius NATO summit will bring Ukraine closer to uh, to Ukraine's Euro-Atlantic goal. And quickly, Anna, what's the latest in Bakhmut? It's still heavy fighting? Yeah, uh, heavy fighting remain. Uh, and today, the speaker of the, of the Eastern Defense of the Ukrainian Armed Forces confirmed that actually uh, the Wagner... Uh, the Wagner fighters uh, brought a Russian flag to the building of the local uh, administration, which is in the city, uh, deep in the city. So basically, uh, this is confirming that Wagner group fighters are moving advancing uh, closer to the city center, like deeper to the city. However, um, he is mentioning that this building was completely destroyed as a result of this heavy fighting. So it's but basically just kind of a location, not um, uh, like n- 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 not a political, you know, uh, governmental institution anymore. But what we can see from this uh, from this uh, statements and also this was confirmed uh, by the Institute for the Study of War that apparently Wagner fighters are moving deeper uh, into the city, that actually uh, Russian forces have certain advances and have certain success. But uh, Ukrainian officials can also confirm that Ukrainian defense lines remain in the city still so we cannot uh, we do not have any confirmation and we cannot of course verify it independently but for the moment we cannot say that Bakhmut is under uh, Russian control it remains in in a very fierce fighting uh, and in a very in a very hot spot zone uh, as it was for this past months Anna Chernikova reporting for VOA from Kyiv And for more insight into the significance of Finland now becoming the 31st nation to join the NATO military alliance, I spoke with Henry Ridgewell in London. Other than the obvious that this is strengthening the alliance, but also what what specifically does Finland bring? I think the significance of Finland's membership is historical and geopolitical. Historical because for decades, Finland had a uh, friendly alliance effectively with Russia um, in that it promised to be non-aligned. It wasn't going to join NATO. Uh, It had a fairly open border with Russia and good enough relations uh, with Moscow. Uh, And after the collapse of the Soviet Union, Finland began to edge towards NATO membership, uh, but stopped short of applying to join. And then, of course, with the February invasion by Russia of Ukraine last year, its membership was fast tracked and both Finland and, and Sweden quickly applied to join. So it's reversing decades of security and foreign policy uh, by Finland. And not only that, of course, it's a big rebuke to Russia's President Vladimir Putin, who has made one of his major foreign policy goals, limiting the expansion of NATO. And he's got exactly the opposite. Uh, Finland's border with uh, Russia stretches some 1,340 kilometres Uh, That now doubles the border that Russia shares with NATO countries. Uh, So both geopolitically and historically, it's it's hugely significant for that reason. And it brings with it additional intelligence gathering along the border regions, the ability for NATO to station troops along the border if needed, although that's not part of any agreement yet. That would have to get the approval of Helsinki and Finland and NATO have made no indication they're they're about uh, to do that. But Finland also has a very potent military 
Uh, it has a relatively small uh, full-time army of around 23,000 troops, but it also has a conscription service enabling it to call quickly upon another 200,000 more troops. Um, it has uh, a, a good battalions of, of main battle tanks, uh, 100, more than 100 combat aircraft, uh, very modern and already well integrated into NATO's defensive alliance. So it does strengthen NATO significantly, and it is a symbolic gesture as well to show that uh, far from limiting NATO's expansion, NATO is determined to expand uh, if the members wish to do so. And of course, Sweden could be next. NATO hopes so later this year. So do you think that this this is actually encouraging even more countries to join that have not joined? Sweden's application is still being blocked by Turkey and Hungary although the NATO Secretary General said he very much hoped that block would be overcome before the NATO summit later this year in July. But of course, there are other former Soviet states, uh, not least Ukraine, of course, but Georgia as well. Uh, other states in that uh, Eastern European region, former parts of the Soviet Union that do want to join uh, as well. And NATO has been nervous to move into that territory too quickly for fear of provoking unnecessarily Russia. But that was the calculation before February 2022. Now, with a much more aggressive Russia invading Ukraine, uh, nuclear saber rattling as well, NATO has to respond in some measure. And whether that would include extending membership invitations or opening those chapters for countries such as Georgia and Ukraine in the near future. Well, that is a distinct possibility. It remains to be seen if, if NATO uh, goes down that route. Henry Ridgewell reporting for VOA from London. While Russia's bombardment continues in cities across Ukraine, the U.S. plans to send another large shipment of support in the form of ammunition and weapons equipment to Ukraine. Associated Press correspondent Charles de la Desma reports. Officials say the U.S. will send Ukraine about $500 million worth of ammunition and equipment and will spend more than $2 billion to buy an array of munitions, radar and other weapons in the future. Officials add the ammunition rounds, along with grenade launchers and vehicles, will be taken from military stockpiles so they can be in the Ukraine war zone quickly, while the $2.1 billion in longer-term aid is being provided under the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative for needs ahead. The new weapons and funding come as Russia has continued to bombard Ukraine with long-range missiles and the hotly contested battle for the eastern city of Bakhmut drags on. I'm Charles Tuladesma. Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine has not only taken a toll on lives, but also livelihoods. The impact on agriculture and supply chains has spread well beyond its border with global implications. Now, manufacturers in the U.S. are uniting with their counterparts in Ukraine and looking ahead to the task of rebuilding. I spoke with Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers, who was just in Ukraine. We hear a lot and we report a lot on the day-to-day -day horrors that are happening in Ukraine with this war and the various aspects of life that's impacted. And certainly Russia's war on Ukraine has had a big impact on manufacturing for not just the country itself, but the global supply chain and the economy. What can you tell us about the impacts of that? Well, uh, since Russia 
invaded Ukraine, it really completely threw off the entire global economy. Vladimir Putin made the the calculated decision that uh, he would throw the world into uh, an economic situation where where we were going to have to to make changes to our supply chains, to to our alliances, and failed, frankly, in his gamble and his bet. But the bottom line is, if you look at Ukraine and you look at all of the things that they were doing to build their economy, um, not just manufacturing um, products, but also manufacturing agricultural goods, that has really caused a lot of concern for, for the global economy. It's caused concern for nations that have traded with Ukraine. Look, the United States should be looking at Ukraine as a before the war, they should have been looking at Ukraine as a as a solid partner, certainly a democratic partner and potential economic partner. We should have a free trade agreement with Ukraine. Hopefully that will come soon after Russia is defeated. But right now, our focus obviously is winning the war and helping Ukraine rebuild its infrastructure. And I believe manufacturers in the United States, as well as others around the world, especially in Europe, can do exactly that. Rebuilding is definitely something that needs to be thought out. I don't think Ukraine has any intention of losing this war and certainly looking ahead is something you've been supporting. Can you tell us a little bit about what the National Association of Manufacturers has been doing to support these efforts? You were I, I truly believe that it's not just Ukraine that has no intention of losing the war. I think democracy is everywhere. Uh, if we truly believe in ensuring that democracy is stabilized and, and actually expanding around the world. There is no instance where we can allow anything other than total victory for Ukraine, the defeat of uh, Russia, and the aspirations of the war criminal Vladimir Putin. Having said that, we do have to look ahead. Uh, the National Association of Manufacturers has been working uh, with President Zelensky's office, the League of Industrial. There's tremendous, tremendous power at how how rebuilding is going to take place. Uh, again, first focus is winning the war, but then we have to start, and we can start this now, by the way, uh, helping Ukraine to rebuild its entire country after what what Russia has done. We've had the uh, opportunity and the honor of hosting President Zelensky to, a, to our board of directors meeting where he encouraged businesses in the United States to invest in Ukraine uh, now and during the rebuilding process. I've been in Europe the last two weeks talking to our allies, uh, to government officials, as well as our sister organizations in a number of, of areas about the importance of assisting Ukraine in this rebuilding process. And look, the, the bottom line is this, in commerce, to help us support and sustain and expand um, democracy around the world. And the most important thing we can do now with our allies is to come together uh, to help Ukraine not only not only win the war, but to rebuild afterwards. And that's what we're doing here. And that's what the NAM is doing in Europe right now. Um, and it will be a major focus of manufacturers in the United States in the coming months and years. What does a stable economy and a future of rebuilding, what does it look like specifically? Governments in the United States and Europe are going to have to figure out the, the how in helping Ukraine rebuild. So is this going to be a Marshall Plan of sorts uh, after Russia is driven out of Ukraine? 
Um, will we need to set up some sort of a fund that can be jointly shared between the North American Alliance and perhaps the European Union and other allies around the world so that these these expansionistic tendencies of war criminals like Vladimir Putin are, are put to bed uh, before they're ever before they're even dreamed about. So if we can think through that, I think the, President Biden and others are going to have to think through, you know, what is this going to look like? They need to be thinking about now how they're going to to put such a, an economic effort together and then partnering with the power of, of manufacturers and, and other uh, tools of commerce, that rebuilding process can start to occur in earnest. Now, look, there are questions about issues Ukraine has had in terms of corruption in the past. That is not President Zelensky's, that does not fall on his shoulders, but ensuring that Ukraine continues to expand transparency and abide by the rule of law uh, will be a very important message for all of the investors in whatever rebuilding plan there is so that manufacturers can be a part of the process and the solution right from the beginning. So to help us rebuild, we look forward to helping to shape that. Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Lori London. Russia's U.N. ambassador is dismissing U.S. and European Union descriptions of its presidency of the Security Council this month as an April Fool's joke. Associated Press correspondent Ben Thomas reports. Both the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and the European Union's foreign policy chief described Russia's takeover of the Security Council presidency as an April Fool's joke. The presidency rotates monthly in alphabetical order among the council's 15 members. Russia's ambassador vowed to be an honest broker. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield says she expects the Russians will be professional, but will use their presiding seat to spread disinformation and promote their own agenda as it relates to Ukraine. She vowed the U.S. will stand ready to call them out at every single moment they attempt to do that. I'm Ben Thomas. Vadim Horodny comes from a family of Ukrainian soldiers. His father had died defending their hometown of Chernikiv, but Vadim was still determined to join the military. The 14-year-old ultimately got a chance to study in the United States and is now a cadet at the Marine Military Academy in Texas. Nina Vishneva has the story, narrated by Anna Rice. Vadim Horodny has always dreamed of being in the military. His father and family friends were all in the army, and to Vadim, there seemed no better career than that. Do you remember your dad? Yeah. The first three days here, I kept having dreams about him. Vadim, who is 14, is from Chernihiv, but for the past several months, he's been in the United States studying at the Marine Military Academy in Texas. Vadim's father, Serhii Harodny, served in a tank brigade in the Chernihiv region. He died in the first weeks of Russia's invasion. The last call we got from him was on March 19th, 2022. He said they had pushed away the enemy and were heading to positions that were being shelled every minute. All that is left of his father are a few family pictures and some personal belongings that survived shellings and evacuations. His mom remains in Chernihiv. Vadim, however, is in the United States. 
Thanks to a charity fund that helps the children of fallen Ukrainians, he attends the Marine Military Academy in Texas. Our fund helps all children, regardless of whether their parents were civilians or military. If they have lost one or both parents during the war, we will help them. The Marine Military Academy is a private military boarding school for boys in grades 7 to 12 and offers an optional postgraduate year. In addition to academic subjects, students can take part in sports and learn basic military discipline. Vadim's classes are all in English. English teacher Tatiana Simashka, who lives in the U.S., helps them with language difficulties. They study online, but get a chance to meet in person when Vadim is on vacation. I'm trying to do what I can to help. My brother and his family live just outside the Kyiv region. To be honest, I see it as my duty to help children like Vadim. Vadim's hoodie has his last name embroidered on it together with the Alpha Company logo, indicating he is one of the top students in his class. He believes that if he wants to be like his father, he must be the best. For Nina Vishnova in New York, NRI's VOA News. As bloody stalemated battles in Ukraine continue, young dancers in the eastern city of Izum are training again, hoping to resume competition despite the destruction of their theater. VOA's Heather Murdoch reports from Izium, Ukraine. Before Russia's war on Ukraine, this dance team was competitive, winning medals in regional, national, and international competitions. But by early April last year, Russia had taken the city of Izium. Dance practice, once held in this nearly 100-year-old theater, was abruptly halted along with businesses, academic schools, and much of normal life. In the first days of occupation, we spent our time counting the shells falling. In one day, we counted 400. In September, Ukraine retook the city in a hail of bombs. But dancers say the violence continued as Russia attacked after they retreated. In the following weeks and months, the front line slowly moved away from the town, and life became a bit easier. After Ukraine returned to Izium, water came back, and we could clean the apartment. It was hard to live under Russia because our windows were covered with plastic sheets. It was only okay in the summer. Now gas, electricity, and water have returned. The nearest war zone is now at least 60 kilometers away, and in December, this technical college began hosting children's dance classes. Not long ago, we heard shelling, but it was far away. At the theater, Oliesa Bilyaga, the head dance coach, says they plan to repair and reopen the facility one day. But the municipality does not have the money right now. Most of her students and their families fled their homes after Russia invaded Ukraine in February 2022, she says. And only about 30% have returned to training. I thought about leaving, but my mother didn't want to. And to leave by myself would be wrong. My son said, I won't leave my grandmother. I couldn't move her by force, but it was really scary. She says the area is still laden with landmines and other explosives as the region continues to take missile strikes daily. Russia occupies part of eastern and southern Ukraine, 
but has failed to move forward in months of bloody winter battles. Ukrainian officials say their forces are preparing for a spring counteroffensive. Young dancers in Izium say they won't wait for the war to end to rebuild their team and try to compete again. Heather Murdoch, VOA News, Izium, Ukraine. And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day at voanews.com. And on social media, just follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Lori London.